Welcome to Good Geek Out, good place to go to geek out. Today we're geeking out about Amazon Prime's Invincible, Episode 5, called That Actually Hurt. Editor, San Antonio, what's up, fellas? What up? This is Reverse Ramble, Washington. Over fresh out of San Francisco. Yo, it's your boy Jay, a.k.a. Kung Lao, a.k.a. Liu Kang fanboys cannot see me. Come at me. All right, so Invincible, episode five, that actually hurt. I call it the Luke Cage episode, right? What would you guys think about that? Strong. I think think that's a good way to put it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that opening scene looks just like out of any Luke Cage comic book or or, or series that we've seen so far, just walking down a dark alley all of a sudden. Mm. I I did like that they make him immediately... uh, Known that he's not invincible or he doesn't have unbreakable skin, that it's just more durable than normal. Um, so he can be killed if you shoot him like three times in the same place, but he's obviously uh, adept in that and is aware and like moves around and still super strong. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you have a lot of negative things to say about Luke Cage. <clears throat> what do you think about this character, uh, Titan? Actually, I was going to say that I actually like Titan better than Luke Cage. Titan actually admits who and what he is. Doesn't try to hide it. Unlike someone with a, that wears a yellow shirt. But yeah, I actually like Titan. I actually do like Titan. I don't have no negative things to say about him. So I like I like Titan for the fact he he's what I call an opportunist. I can appreciate an opportunist. But just admit that you're an opportunist. Don't hide who you are. I agree. Um, so that intro just kind of introduces us to this character. And then, um, oh, after that, it's back to Invincible at school. It's his life. It seems like that what's going on currently is Invincible. The superhero's life is going up in uh, terms of recognition. accolades. <laughs> And Mark, as a person, is going down like he's losing a job. He's uh, having trouble with his new girlfriend already. And uh, it's kind of that, that, that uh, I think, Glenn, uh, Reverse Rambo, you mentioned that, about how spidey this guy is. Uh, why, don't you, why don't you talk about that, how, how much spidey you saw in him in this episode? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's always kind of like, that's the one thing about the Spider-Man comics that I feel like resonated and, and you know, with a lot of people, right, is that he was the more human of all characters. Like, hey, here's this guy balancing a love life, a job, trying to make ends meet. Like, it's not the high, glamorous life like a Bruce Wayne or or semi-successful life of Clark Kent. It's like, yo, this dude's just trying to get by, bro. Like, he's living in a crappy apartment. And, you know, why, like, you know, if this is an homage to all of that stuff, why not continue with that? That's going to make, like, this teenage story more relatable, right, is that, Spider-Man, a full-fledged adult, had trouble with this. Imagine a teenager who is just trying to get his life started. And now not only does he have to balance and maneuver the the logistical nightmare of getting his adult life started, it's now like the superhero life, right? I really do dig that they're digging into that stuff and they're showing that he's not he's not being successful in um in being, you know, in juggling both, that he is messing up pretty bad. And the excuses are starting to kind of 
wear thin a bit, you know. So yeah, I, I I'm digging that. I love that that con- that that comment or the balance. Oh, it's called character development, and I like that. The one thing I can't stand is a character that like if you show a story, I mean, tell a freaking story. I mean, a character that can not only succeed but can also fail, but you can learn from failure to succeed. So I like the development. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right there. Uh, Glenn, I think you're totally right with the Spider-Man uh, assessment and kind of in the vein of Jay not liking Luke Cage. Not a, not a huge Spider-Man fan. Not a big Peter Parker fan. Uh, for whatever reason, probably because... Probably, I don't know if it's because of his foibles, because of his weakness. Maybe it's because he married Mary Jane, and that just seemed too unbelievable. Um, Wait a minute. She's a straight up, she's, yeah, no, no, no. That, that, that was Lee Field wanting to draw long legs and, and, and a lot of. No feet, of bad feet. Yeah. Would you prefer bad and bad feet? Um, Ooh, but, he so with that said, it really, when the, you know, the 90210 drama started out. I was like, oh, that's right. We have to deal with this shit. Too. Yeah. And it's just part of comics. And it's funny because it just like, uh, just like Invincible maintaining his secret identity because that's what you do in comics. Like they do a great job to staying with the rules of comics, but not going yeah. so realistic where it's the boys and like, you know, but I mean, people mind you get broken in half and twisted. Like, I mean, like, like shit gets like, like gruesome um, in the boys level, but him bouncing around with like trying to, battle, it reminds me of the uh, Tina Fey, 30 Rock, can I have it all uh, kind of uh, attitude and like he just can't balance it all. All of this with his dad on his back. Good point. Oh, this is also yeah. the episode we finally get to see Reginald Bell Johnson, whom the high yep. school is named after. His cameo looking just like he does. I actually had to look him up online. He still looks pretty good, man. He holds up pretty well. And the principal's name is Mr. Winslow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, correct. Uh, and I, then so I love that. Yeah, yeah. I, like, I don't. I don't know what the fascination is with Carl Winslow, but I, I do appreciate a good Family Matters reference. You know, who doesn't? Um, so through Titan, we get to meet the new villain for this episode, Machine Head. Talking like a Kanye West song from the mid two thousands, the auto tune, highly in effect. Uh, <laughs> it was ri- I, <laughs> I don't. If he's analogous to some villain, all I can come up with is maybe Black Mask. Who, who else would you guys think this guy kind of represents? Oh, he's yeah, a- like I think an amalgamation of Black Mask and maybe like Kingpin a bit, you know? Because he he did run like what was it, the seedier side of the city. Not like you know, I don't know. I I, I got a good kingpin king, king vibe from him. Uh, he's Chairface from The Tick. That's all I watch <laughs> all day, dude. I lo- that's the best character. Where where do you eat? How do you breathe? Like his entire setup, like his over the topness. Um, it it is a he was a fun villain. Like he was a really fun villain. I, I look forward to cosplays of that character. Oh, yeah, with the light-ups, too? Oh. He's yeah. black Daft Punk. That whole helmet just screamed Daft Punk. Oh, yeah. Um, 
And then it becomes Debbie finding the costume and figuring out what she's going to do with that knowledge and uh, that whole story arc. Um, Jay, what'd you think about that? That uh, her just going behind his back, getting checked out at the costume guy's place. What's his name? The tailor. The tailor. Yeah. Keep it simple. Al, right? I Which thought that, that scene. I, I thought Al. that scene was dope. It reminded me of Batman. The you know the detective like, and I say that because Batman's just a dude amongst gods. And Debbie is just Debbie rolling against gods. Like this is this dude can literally <laughs> crack the surface of the planet. And she's like, um, no, you're gonna go upstairs and write your book, right? You like just the way she caught him up in that little thing, and he was like, oh, no, yeah. and he's super powerful as he is, he couldn't get out of honey, take out the trash, you know, like it was a yeah. this this beautiful little human play. I thought that the character development with that was really really solid and it was empowering for debbie's character as again just a human like you don't have to be wonder woman analogous to be powerful within this story to actually matter to the story and to move the story along and to make us care about you i am so yeah. worried about her yes <laughs> you know? she is low-key like she's low-key become probably top three one of my favorite characters in the show right like i really enjoy seeing her on screen to see her further develop right and another thing kind of like what you said about a human moment it's like how like i love how they like they definitely humanize omni-man in more ways than just like him going to write the book like how much of a like dude you can hide that shit anywhere in the fucking world and you hide it in your top cupboard expecting your wife who knows who's a fucking smart woman and knows everything that goes on in her house for the most part to not find it. Right. Like how much of a dumbass husband slip up is that bro? Like, but that's, but that's part of that quote unquote cheater mentality where you just yeah. get to it and you just assume that, that the way it it's is, not, it's always they're not be. smart enough or you're not going to get caught, which, um, which I loved. I was like, bro, like that's just that, that fucking dumbass something like, you know, I'm not going to get caught. She's never going to look up here, bro. Like the truth will always come out. Right. Like, one of the things that they do most successfully in this show is with this relationship. Yeah. It is the best marriage I can think of in comic books. Like, and not to say like it's the healthiest, but I'm saying it's the like, it is a real dialogue. Like the way they are interacting with each other is like a real thing. And him having all of this power to the point where he is careless because he's like, I don't have to like, I can rip you in two, but that's his lowest lane, you know, like that's his kryptonite, you know, like that's his, that's his heart. And he doesn't know what having a heart is supposed to feel like. And so like all of these conflicting uh, feelings um, really manifest. And as much as I, not to say like I disliked the love story, Amber and, uh, and Mark, I really enjoyed this relationship. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think the the story with like Mark and Amber, for me, I agree. I'm on that same boat. Like, I, I when wasn't he just a fan punches of it. the wall when he just gets mad and he's just like, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I've dude. And she oh, just I've, she I've just walks there. away. Yeah, exactly. She just walks away like nothing. She's like, dude, like, whatever, bro. I mean, like, 
And then even like towards the beginning, the like, when when, when they were when they were fucking flirting and, and kind of like being really passionate with each other in front of their child, like it's just that kind of shit where it's like, yeah, man, you'll get over it, bro. Like I, it's just so fucking realistic. But I think that it's an interesting. Like I said, it's one of the best dynamics that they that they set up in you know like and we've watched a lot of shows. WandaVision was a very good relationship, but. It was, but I have very my unique. Wanda. It was very, so, yeah, different. No, very, 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 different. very different. Yeah, but yeah, no, I agree with that one too. That was the dynamic between them two was also nice, yeah. which is probably one of the few dull things I took away from, the, from that show. But that's different episode altogether. Yeah, but spe- speaking, speaking of unique relationships, we get the Mahler twin uh, regenerating his quote unquote brother, and uh, we get to see this this pattern that they obviously have. Why they keep saying you're the clone and you're the clone. It's the, the computer automatically resets them to think that they're the original person. So no one knows what's going on and they both fight just as hard, which is kind of cool. I can't think of a, anything analogous to that in a comic book or Star Trek. Yeah, no, I think they, they do a great job fucking around with the whole taking, they do a great job taking the clone idea to the extreme, but also, you know, this. But also taking like, who are you? Like, what is it to be who you are? And, you know, are you still you if you get put into another body? Like, you know, like, are we all gonna be uploaded onto a a neural net at some day? Will our physical body manifest? Because there's um, there's the logic of, if you get into an accident and say your leg gets amputated, are you still you? So you get into an accident, are you quadriplegic? Like, are you still you? Like, how much of you has to get lost before you stop being who you are? Obviously, biological functions, but if they can make something that goes beyond that biological function. So the whole purpose of identity. Beyond physically, like, how much physically are you you if, like, you are what's in here, right? For the most part, it could be tra- like, yeah, no, I love that. It really gets you thinking too, especially uh, later on. But no, I, I like, I like how they're developing those guys. They're really kind of fun to watch because they're goofy, but they're fucking super smart. Clearly, because they're, they're cloning each other, they're really. It, it really makes me hope that they stick around for the long run and they don't just get annihilated like everything else. Like I want to see more of these two morons because they're they're hilarious. They're funny, but they're like I feel like they're um. There's just two really smart, like, tech bros, but don't talk like they're fucking tech bros. You know what I'm saying? They just talk like they're hood dudes. They're really logical with their intelligence. Like, come on, bro. Like, they're very dismissive and, like, expect you to know shit. Like, I, I just really enjoy them. Well, with the funny. pacing of the story, with the pacing of the story, they do a great job of taking us from that extremely heavy relationship that I was just talking about to basically this comedic duo, this, you know, uh, C-3PO, R2-D2, you know, not obviously that, but this com- uh, comedic duo, but they're not just there being jesters, like they're actually moving the story forward in, a, in yeah, an exactly. interesting uh, way. So like they keep the pacing of the entire show flowing with these ups and downs. They're, they're, yeah. Frat, yeah. they're frat tech boys. Yeah, there you go. They're frat tech bros. There you go. They're frat tech boys. There you go. That's, that's a pretty good way of putting it. I know who created them. I know who created the Mahler twins. I figured it out now. Professor Miles. Papa Smurf? No, no, that's me. 
No, Professor Miles Warren created the model. <laughs> okay. Jackal? <laughs> Jackal? There you go. You figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, of course they do. So, um, also, while this is going on, uh, Titan is trying to bring uh, Invincible onto his side. Um, applying to, you know, playing to that thing where there's always street-level heroes, uh, like the Netflix shows most recently, and then there's the grander scale of heroes like the Marvel, the MCU movies, Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy, and stuff like that. So this is the this is uh, kind of playing on both of those and telling the people that are flying above that there's stuff going on underneath and that they're they do they think they're above it? Do you think you're above it? That's why you fly and don't come down. You know, like they're they're, they're playing with that and uh, Titan definitely plays very well on Invincible with that, especially him being a young. Um, what's optimistic kid who's trying to save the world, you know, any way he can to, to, to let him realize that there's a, a part of the of his city that he's not aware of, quote unquote aware of. I want to speak on that because that was a reference. The way Titan spoke to Invincible and said that there's crime down here that you don't know about, that was a reference, and it's an old reference, it's regarding uh, Black Lightning and Superman. Because as you know, um, Suicide Slum is a part of Metropolis, and Superman fights in Metropolis. And when he was the issue, one of the first 13 issues, and Jimmy Olsen um, was caught up in something involving the one. And uh, Superman came there, and Black Lightning he confronted him. He was like, Oh, your, your man stuck up uh, Jimmy Olsen. Black Lightning told him, Hey, you may be fighting crime in Metropolis where the rich people are. But you don't know what goes down here. You don't know what goes in suicide slum. There's stuff in here that you don't know about. And that was a reference, that whole Titan, uh, Titan Invincible conversation. That yeah. was a reference. <laughs> Tangent. Suicide slums to me is the punisher to Captain America. Because every day, Captain America should wake up and be like, what the fuck is the punisher? I got to go punch that motherfucker in the face. And every day, Clark Kent should wake up and be like, why is there a place called Suicide Slug? <laughs> I need to go fix this shit. Uh, Rob, detrimental to your argument, I, uh, I think they agree with you because the TV show did not use the original name of Suicide Slum. I think they caught on to what you were saying. That's why they changed the name of Suicide Slum to Freeland. <laughs> All right. So on, on another note, we do get to also see the new Guardians coming back from a mission and super stoked like they won and they did everything right and then we get the video breakdown from robot of how they're uh, what, what did uh black samson call them six assholes instead of a team fighting yeah. together uh i don't know it, it's just <laughs> i don't i feel like that they're there for comic relief more than anything the new guardians there's not really a lot of drama or anything else coming they just kind of give a little lightheartedness, especially with monster girl and everything Different um, egos. What's up? Ego. Egos. Um, no. different. It takes a leader. It takes a good leader to deal with. If, look, you got different egos on the team, which is why Cyclops is the greatest leader, one of the greatest leaders. Anyway, no, it it, it takes it takes a good leader to deal with different egos. You got different egos, and you got Monster Girl who's immature. You got Rex Flood who's just a total dick. You know, you, 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 I mean, I mean, you got. What, I mean, what do you think Monster Girl's immature? Well, well, she's not. She's not immature in a way. 
She's the only person being like, yeah, we need to fucking like be st- like strategic about this because my powers are going to fucking kill me. Like, yeah, I can't just use this shit willy nilly, bro. Like, exactly that. Yeah. I feel like she's the one that's more thoughtful about shit. Yeah, I definitely agree and with robot. Rex. I think. Yeah, no, yeah, Rex 100%. Fuck that fool. They yeah, do a great job making someone. He's following Rex Boat now. Like, she's listening to what he's saying. Like, Rex Boat isn't this type of guy you should listen to when it comes to team, team, you know, strategy here. Like, you know, that's why I said that at first, yeah, she is reasonable. But then when I start her character develop, she start leaning more towards the guy that she beat up. And she's more like, oh, hey, yeah, well, yeah, you're right, Rick Splode. I'm like, wait a minute, hold up. No, I, I know Man. what you mean. She was laughing at his jokes and drinking the beer and stuff with him. They're kind you, of you. You never had a friend date someone that you were just like, what the fuck are you dating them for? What the fuck do you see in them? <laughs> all the time. All the time. All the time. I've I seen it. So on to basically the last scene, right? When they go to Assault Machine Head. I think that's the last. Well, I mean, the, the last big scene before the aftermath. But um, Battle Beast, that's the cosplay I'm waiting to see. Uh, <laughs> shit, man. That dude is one hard motherfucker, man. God damn. I like, I'll be honest, bro. When they showed him, I was like, this is going to be a chump. A pushover, like some whack ass fool. They're gonna fuck this boy. I did not expect what he did to happen. You know what I mean? Like he looked like a fake Thundercat. He did. He did. You know. But I was like, oh, that's that's exactly what I was like. It's off brand, motherfucker. He's gonna get fucked up. Nah. Don't you remember, nah. uh, like tenth grade or so? Don't you remember Little Battle Beast? And you had the hologram on their chest, and you had to see if there were fire or earth or water or lightning, and they were anthropomorphic armored dudes i think he's yeah. a reference to those battle beast toys um as well as the uh you know young justice uh, i mean um guardians of the galaxy character and uh all this other stuff uh i think it is dope the way that they break into machine heads room uh basically doing a, a little fastball special kind yeah, of that cannonball is fucking dope kind of number uh and then classic monologuing. And I think this is what I like about Machine Head the most out of every villain that we've seen. He's the most four-color comic villain where, where he's just, you know, he's fucking fabulous. Let's fucking put it that way. You know, this motherfucker's grand. And uh, Italian fucking maple, bro. <laughs> Italian fucking, that's Italian maple too. Um <laughs> Cash just got style, but yeah, when he just like has that pizzazz and he's like, "But I've got friends," yeah, (laughs) and and just uh, you know, he's just got the the dope ass mercenary crew, and they give you what they give you electro. uh, That guy with the with his basically his intestines whipping out that reminded me. The only thing he reminded me that was like Abyss from fucking like after Age of Apocalypse. Someone who has like. Not even tendrils, dude, or like the tape guy from fucking uh, what is that? Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, fuck, man, with the green-haired Maduro. What's his name? Fisto. No. Yeah. Uh, high school. Something about high school. God damn it! I lost it. Sorry. Damn. Um, but no, I thought that the villain lineup was dope. I thought that like the Magma Man, you know, the, your reference to your Hydro Mans and your Sandmans, and yeah. you know, like how you know how do you kill this fool? Uh, 
they just go in and battle and battle beast just stops fights you know like they they really get i don't say they get gruesome in this one because they've gotten gruesome in other ones but they let you feel the bones break in this one like they they get the sound like whoever did the sound on this one fucking nailed it because you can hear hear every snap crackle and uh pop oh that scene when he breaks samson's hand oh jesus christ dude beyond the visual the sound like you said wow yeah yeah that was really intense man Nah, and that dude just single-handedly fucking pretty much everybody up. Basically, what we fucking broke Monster Girl's fucking face, and you know, I don't know, man. I I just think that I didn't expect that to happen, but I'm glad it did. Like I was telling Ed earlier, it's like, you know, him pummeling the shit out of Invincible. It's like this. It 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 it's kind of like he's everything but. You know, like he's everything but invincible. He has gotten his ass whooped several times, more so than not, right? Like, so it's like this kid is just a fucking disaster. But I love that he's he's optimistic all the way through. He's like, yo, I'm going to keep it going. Like, it's just what I got to do, man. Um, I, I got what it was. It was the tape guy from My Hero Academia. That's who it reminds me of. Just someone who just shoots tape, like rolls of tape out of their body. That's who that character reminded me of. Uh, also, that other one that's like basically a furnace, a walking furnace, that's a Ben 10 shout out. That's one of his alien transformations. Um, one of the things that, and this goes into the dynamic stuff. Uh, one of the things that I think that they also did great leading up to the fight, and it was a part of the fight, is a dad trying to be a dad and being like, yo, you got to pick better friends. I can't tell you how many times I was that friend, how many times I was fucking tightened to people's houses. <laughs> They're like, you sure you want to hang out with Rob? I don't know. I don't know about this kid. Um, so I think that the conversation that he had was like, hey, man, this guy's trying to use you. You know, like he's trying to father, you know, like he's trying to be a dad. And again, it's this endearing part where I think it leads to Omni-Man's belief that at the end, the, at the end of the day, everyone in his family is going to see his point and go along with him because he's been in, kind of in charge this whole time, except for the part where Debbie's in charge. But he has a military way. He has a military way of think of doing things like it's It's the Vulcan right way. Um, if we get to the end, I'm going to speak on that. Like, here's the thing about it. And here's the thing that what, what, what makes, Titan different from Luke Cage. Um, Titan did play him. He did. But see, there's a difference between a guy who's like, oh, I'm a hero for hire, and I want to hire you, and I want to like, you know, hey, let's do this for money, blah, blah, blah. No, Titan wasn't about that. Titan was an opportunist. Titan knew what the situation was, and he did what he had to do. Or his family. I can blame him, but I can't blame him in a way. Because he was on some boss stuff. Like, he was just like, hey, I can't do what I got to do. Everything that he said was right about where the little guy is. When he went to the center, when he went to the, uh, on the, on, on the, 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 um, the recreational center, he had to do all that for his family. So he had to use Invincible. 
He had to use him. He had to be the one in charge. He had the like, plan. You know, he needed the key. And his yeah. key was invincible, setting it up so Machine Head didn't have to be killed. Machine just had to be off the board. Okay. Um, yeah. And he, was- you know, and he, he took advantage <laughs> of, like I said, he took advantage of Invincible's naivete. And I loved how he wrote Invincible on the, uh, on the thing, he's like, man, man, fucking paint costs money, man. Fuck that shit. <laughs> that shit was a dope ass line. You got too many goddamn letters in your name, man. Fuck that shit. This is why I said. This is why I said that I can respect. I can respect Titan. I can respect Titan because Titan knew what he was. Titan knew that he what he had to do. He didn't sugarcoat it. Like Luke Cage, I'm like, oh well, I did it. I'm like, you know, he took over Harlem in the Netflix show. I'm like, yeah, I did it, but. Oh, I, I'm still a good guy. No, you're not, man. You're not a good guy. <laughs> Titan knew he's not calling himself going. He's not going around calling himself a hero fire. He's like, man, I'm taking. I got to do this for my family, man. I'm not about that. But Luke, he was still. Oh, you were so mad at Luke Cage. Not he like really him. does not like Luke Cage, bro. <laughs> God damn. Really visceral, visceral hate. It, of might, it might be very healing for you to cosplay as him one day. I think I so. Will. Then you can do the character right, bro. He's like, no, I don't know. Cage goes against everything I stand for. I'm sorry. Look, 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 look. I've seen 70 stereotypes, and I've seen titles of movies called "The Ballad of Nigga Charlie" and stuff like that. And it's like Luke Cage represents that. I'm all about change. Uh, I I see where you're coming from, but he's not that character anymore. Black exploitation is actually the recapturing of black cinema and empowering. But that is not the conversation for right now. But today, for one of our hip hop, for one of our hip hop episodes, we will have a little tangent on that because I yeah. definitely think that we should get into that. Right, well, Beach Brawl, Dolomite. We need to get into why Dolomite makes. What is why Dolomite was probably the the first dopest rapper. But is anyway. Dol is Dolomite a form of stone or metal? Yes, it is yeah. a. It is an element. I was driving down, and they have this like. Uh, where they do iron rods and stuff like that, and they had all the options, and it said big letters dolomite today, and I was like, dolomite. It's, it's because it's because his dick is as hard as a rock. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, on that note, all right, uh, great episode. Uh, these episodes have been pretty action packed from beginning to end. This one kind of reminded me of the first episode where it was kind of humming along slowly, and then you had last five minutes just kind of blows you out the water um can't wait for the next one editor san antonio out reverse ramble washington oba fresh san francisco yay kung lao Lu kang done trash from los angeles california